right, guys, and welcome back to the Tricky Takes podcast. Uh, as always, I got my usual co-host, Billy and Austin, here with me. What's up, guys? Yes. Oh, little... <laughs> there. Yeah, at the same time, but that's fine. Uh, you know, sometimes we talk over each other. But uh, it's been a strange week. Uh, a lot of divisiveness, uh, a lot of news coming out uh, just recently, last night. Uh, to touch on a little MLB that we haven't talked about too much since the season ended. Juan Soto dealt from the Padres to the Yankees. I mean, that is – I haven't seen any – yeah, I haven't seen any contracts or anything like that, any, if they were going to try to extend them or what. But that's a huge move for the Yankees, and I, I really, really hate that, having what Aaron Judge, Juan Carlo, and Juan Soto now are going to be the core outfield. In New York, and that is just a, a huge move for them. AL East uh, looks like they're getting ready to have a – trying to have a new top dog, but we'll see if it works out for them. Their starting pitching is still really abysmal, and, and this actually made it their bullpen worse. They got rid of their – got rid of their they, – they sent away their uh, best reliever in Michael King, so – um, they still have some other guys, especially in the bullpen and, you know, Garrett Cole, obviously at, at the head of that rotation, but it's a, it, it's good. They're going to need more arms to, to make a deep run. I'm afraid. Or they're just going to need the arms that, that they have, i.e. Carlos Redon to pitch like Carlos Redon and, yeah. uh, losing, uh, Severino to the Mets also doesn't help. He was a uh, good piece in their rotation for a long time, obviously dropped off the past few years. But I think that the return the Padres got for a guy like Juan Soto and another very quality piece in Trent Grisham was very underwhelming. Um, I mean, you definitely could have demanded a guy like, say, Anthony Volpe or, you know, at least give us Giancarlo back you know, or give us some, some other MLB ready hitters or guys that, you know, we could play with because obviously you get Kyle Higashioka who is going to be an upgrade at the catcher position, at least defensively uh, for the Padres, but the bat is still a lot to be desired there. So I just think that the return that the Padres got was, was very underwhelming. I think that they could have probably – drawn a little more out of the Yankees uh, for a player that's, you know, potentially top five in the league. Yeah, 100%. Uh, they also added another outfielder, this one from the hated division rival Red Sox for them, uh, Alex Verdugo. So that's just yet another piece of their ad in there, another bat, but they gave away more arms in that deal. I think it was three pitchers, three right-handed pitchers, the Yankees moved in that trade. So, I mean, they're they're going to have to do something major with their bullpen depth. I I really don't think I, that uh, the Padres got fleeced, per se. Michael King is a phenomenal pitcher. And when you look at what his contract shaping up, like the amount of value they're getting it, for, you know, what Juan Soto is being paid this year versus King, you know, under team control for two years and, you know, making a few million dollars. Um, the value is especially good for the Padres return, but 
I mean, the Padres, as we talked about, are like a contending roster. Like it's right. it's just confusing because this move kind of either says they don't believe in Soto, Soto was a problem, or they're just like not ready to like be there all the way yet. And I just don't know if any of those things are true, but like I guess one of them has to be. Losing a guy like Juan Soto to any team really would be like a knife to the kidney. But for the Padres, they can at least absorb it a little better than most teams in the MLB. And I don't know if you all have seen, but there have been a couple of rumors coming out recently that there might be some of those behind-the-scenes issues with Soto and Tatis maybe not getting along or Soto and the manager over there. So we don't really know 100% nothing's actually fully come out. Just uh, some rumblings on that, but I think that's really it for baseball right now. Not a whole lot else is major shaped up so far at the winter meetings. Uh, also, I'm going to kind of just throw this one to you as our resident FSU fan. I think it's time that we uh, we just dive right into the uh, college football playoffs here. Um, well, if anyone uh, has been living under a rock, um. What you've missed is Florida State winning over the weekend, Alabama also winning over the weekend, Texas also winning over the weekend, Washington also winning over the weekend, and obviously Alabama won, which means Georgia lost. So the college football playoff committee had a pretty tough decision to make. They had a, an easy decision with Michigan. Like we said, they were getting in no matter what, basically, because they couldn't lose. Uh, and then Washington won. So winning in, like we said, for um, the Pac-12 championship game. But what it came down to is you can only put two of the three in, looking at Texas, Alabama, and Florida State. And that's the order that the the committee decided with, three, four, five. Texas, Alabama, Florida State. So you have um, an undefeated team, a winner of the ACC sitting at five, while two one-loss teams, winner of the SEC and Big 12, get in ahead of them. And it's tough. Um, there's been a lot of heated debate about what's the right call and what kind of precedent this sets and, and things like that. So I decided to write down my thoughts. And so I've got a, call it a monologue, if you'd like, a statement. A manifesto. Yeah, a manifesto, um, which is uh, not too lengthy, but I'm going to read it out to you. And then uh, y'all feel free to chime in. The college football playoffs, or... CFP for short, defines themselves in their own website as a postseason event to determine college football's national champion on the field, while emphasizing the significance of college football's unique regular season where every game counts. Every game counts. Their website also defines their ranking system as the selection committee ranks the teams based on their members' evaluation of the team's performance on the field using conference championships won, strength of schedule, head-to-head -head results, and comparison of results against common opponents to decide 
among teams that are comparable. And then most significantly to me, I think here is this statement regarding the responsibilities of the selection committee. It reads, create competitive matchups and attempt to avoid rematches of regular season games and repeat appearances in specific bowls. Create competitive matchups. That last part is really why Florida State was ranked below Alabama and Texas. Comparing everything else, they're clearly neck and neck, so you would automatically give the nod to the undefeated team over a team with a loss, right? Right. You would think. I actually entered that entire first paragraph into chat GPT regarding the CFP's own guidelines and rules about rankings and things like that. And I asked chat GPT to rank the top six teams to do this. I had to manually input all the team's resumes because chat GPT doesn't have up-to-date information on college football like that or, or sports in general for that matter. When I did this, it listed the teams as follows. Michigan, Washington, Texas, Florida State, Alabama, Georgia. But I, I left out one section of the CFP statement when I did that. I went back and added another part talking about team health and how competitive the matchups might be in the playoffs. ChatGPT reorganized it started the same way, Michigan, Washington, Texas, but it put Alabama at four and Florida State at five. Is it objectively fair to punish an entire team who did everything in their power to satisfy all of the criteria that the CFP committee set out just due to one player being injured? Even when that team proved twice that they can still win games without that injured player? No. But... The college football playoff committee took that into account when creating their criteria and included the caveat of create competitive matchups so that they can disregard resume if they so choose. I've had an ample time to think about this whole situation and my final thoughts. And those final thoughts boil down to this. The college football playoff is just a bad name. Playoff is ingrained in our minds to represent the teams that have the best record in their sport. Playoffs are based on concrete, objective stats, not on the subjectivity of a committee. No. What the college football playoff actually is, is an invitational tournament. And I, for one, think the slate of games for this upcoming CFIT is going to be fantastic. You know what, Austin, I, it's been tough for me because I was so happy for Alabama to get in, but I also had zero expectations of it happening because when, you know, as soon as Florida State won, I looked at you guys and I said, great, y'all are in because we, we just happened to be together this weekend. And so I was like, y'all won, y'all are undefeated. There's no way they leave out an undefeated Power 5 conference champion from the top four. I didn't think that the committee would ever do anything like that. I just I didn't think it was a possibility, and I knew that Texas had the tiebreaker on us. And then, you know, seeing my team get in, obviously, I'm like, 
thrilled about that. But you're it is more of an invitational, and they've proved that this year because I mean, if you look back at 2014, I think it was 2014 when Ohio State won it with their third string quarterback. Yeah. So I mean, they have lost two quarterbacks. So you didn't have the same criteria back then. I mean, obviously it is a different group of people now, but still, you know, it is supposed to be the playoffs. We are, you know, winning games. The games are supposed to matter. If you're undefeated, you should make it with the the type of schedule that Florida State plays. Obviously it didn't compare necessarily you know, based on how the opponents ended up falling to what Alabama and Texas played throughout the season, but it was still comparable. You know, I mean, they're they're still a a power five conference. They're still playing competitive teams that were ranked throughout the year. Like they beat number 14 Louisville with their third string quarterback. That's not an easy thing to do when Louisville has been playing super well all year. I don't think – Florida State without Jordan Travis <clears throat> beats any of the teams that are in the top four. What do you guys think? No, I don't either. Like, I, I would they agree would, with that. They would definitely be underdogs, but look at just what happened in the Pac-12 Conference Championship when 10-point underdog Washington just went and smoked Oregon. That's it's college football. Scenario, yeah, though, it's college football. Washington had already beat Oregon that year. Wait. With that, I think that y'all's defense could keep the game close. I just don't think that Tate or whoever else y'all would be able to have available for that game uh, would be able to make it happen on offense. I mean, we saw both y'all's quarterbacks struggle. They all had to roll out in the last two games of the year. Uh, I just don't think the offense would have been competitive against you know Michigan because y'all would I think y'all still would have been the four seed in that scenario. I actually don't know. I think if Florida State were to get in, they might have actually been the three seed. But they would have been either three or four, and I think either matchup against Washington or Michigan would be tough. Do I think Florida State would win? No. Would it be a would it take a miracle for them to win though? Absolutely not. They're a damn good football team, one of the best defenses in the nation, better defense than any of the other teams left in the playoff. Uh, the offense is the worst, though, by a, a good margin. But, you know, they, they always say it takes a good run game and a good defense to win champions, and that, that's what Florida State has is a solid run game and a really good defense. So I it would be – they would be long shots to win, but it wouldn't be some miracle run if they went and did it. Do I think it it's better television? And like I said, I for one am really excited for these, you know, three games we're gonna see. Cause I think no matter how the first round shakes out, we're gonna see a competitive national championship. And that'll be nice after what happened last year. And really ultimately, what happened last year kind of is the downfall of Florida State here because after TCU got blown out by um, Georgia and the national championship last year. That's just what the college football committee wanted to avoid. Right. But I think that is such a dumb argument calling Florida state, just TCU of last year. Cause Florida state is so 
so much better than TCU last year. TCU had a loss last year, by the way, and they didn't even win their conference championship. So you're looking at a, a 12 and one team who didn't win their college or their conference championship, comparing that to an undefeated conference champion. Like those are two completely different teams. I mean, it all comes down to creating competitive matchups. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. That, that, is the, that is the one factor that came into it. And I think, I think no matter who the committee put in, somebody that deserved a shot was getting left out. Yes, right? ab- absolutely. Because- there are five Power Five. That's why it's called the Power Five. There are five right. Power Five conferences. Why the hell are there only four playoff spots? Yeah, because I think Georgia still has the talent in the roster to beat anybody ranked ahead of them. Yeah, that's another thing. When people argue it's best four, not best four resumes. Right. It's if you're talking best four, Oregon and Georgia are better than Texas and Alabama. And that's just the truth. I mean, this is the so out of all of the years that we've had it so far, this has been the one year I've wanted an eighteen playoff. Yeah. Like every other year. I think you could make a valid argument for anyone other than TCU last season. But this year, I could have seen them still having Texas and Georgia in at 3-4. You know, you can easily, like we've been talking about, make the argument for Florida State at 4. I mean, you can put... I don't Ohio, know, just, Ohio State's Ohio a really State, good football yes. team. Yeah. Like a really good football team. You're telling, me, you're telling me Ohio State couldn't, if they snuck in at four, somehow couldn't win at all? Yeah. Absolutely they could. I mean, I, I would love for this year to have been a year where they did eight teams. I think it would have been the perfect year to do it on, especially with next year moving to the 12 team. It's kind of like a step up to that 12-team playoff. What do you guys think of this? I've seen this idea floated around a little bit. Don't rank anybody until after the conference championships are played. Then you take everything into account and put the people in. I would I like, like that. that for like the CFP rankings, but I think the AP poll still needs to come yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. AP poll still comes out, but well, the AP poll is meaningless. I know. Well, it is now. Not, yeah. AP polls meaningless, but because I think the playoff committee kind of shot themselves in the foot, right? Because you put you move Florida State down after their quarterback goes down, right, to five. That's what they did, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Why do you then move them back up to four? Because of the Ohio State loss. But if you're gonna look for every reason to keep Florida State out of it. Why don't you just put Texas at four or Alabama at four? Or just keep Ohio State at four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, that's why I think the move to move Florida State up back up to four kind of surprised me. So I'm like, okay, they're actually going to 
you know, maybe put Florida State in if they went out. Because you put them at four, then either you're banking on Washington to lose, you're banking on who else, Texas to lose, or Georgia to lose, which luckily, you know, Georgia did. But you're banking on one of those teams to lose so you can keep Florida State in there. Because if everybody won out that was behind them like they did, or Alabama did, you know, that's the best win you want to say in the in the country mm-hmm. is is beating Georgia in the mm-hmm. SEC championship. Hundred percent. Yeah. Like the second best win is probably Texas going into Brian Denny and beating Bama. You know. Yeah. So it's like it was just like an impossible situation, really. I think for the the committee to not piss somebody off. Yeah, and. What you said about the rankings heading into conference championship week does matter because when you look at the optics, just if you just look at what teams did and how they moved, you had a team win and drop down one spot. You had a team win and jump up. You had two teams win and each jump up three spots. So like that just like I get that not every win's the same. Right, absolutely. Alabama's win means more than Florida State's win, but like jumping up three spots and moving down one—that's kind of absurd. I'm surprised Georgia dropped as far as they did because, yeah, dropping Georgia's to six is crazy. It was dropped the team that hasn't lost in two years five spots after one loss. It's like two, and it wasn't like an a loss to an unranked team. No, it was a loss to Alabama, right? So it, it just like a team that's been in the top ten all year. That's why I was thinking if if anything happens, they're going to put Georgia at four, Alabama at three, move Michigan and Washington up. I was yeah, like, but I yeah, but the, you you couldn't leave out a Texas that had beat Alabama, and I think that's yeah. really what it comes down to. If yeah, if Alabama had lost to any other team besides Texas. I think that situation does play out. You see, yeah, if Alabama had lost to any other team besides Texas, Alabama's sitting at three right now. And Florida State or Georgia sitting at four. I still don't know how Alabama beat Auburn. Yeah. The- A little grave digger action. So much craziness. And we, just, we just needed a miracle on the 10th anniversary of the kick six. Yeah. That's really what it was. Yeah. Oh, and I, I cannot believe that was 10 years ago. Wow. I know. I still remember where I was. Me too. I um I, I like what you said about like not showing the rankings, Billy. I wanted to kind of double back on that. What if instead, because it's good TV, like they got to have the rankings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It adds to each game, you know? Yeah. And it gives them more to talk about. So why not just have like an elimination show or something like that? So like after week, when does it start? Week seven? Week nine. Week nine. After week nine, you throw up every team, just a list of them. It can be 14. (laughs) It can be 35. You just throw up every team who hasn't been eliminated 
from the college football playoff contention. That's interesting. And then okay. every week you just chop. Like, oh, this team lost this week to a bad loss. That's their second loss. They're out. And you just <laughs> you just chop away bad bad teams at the bottom. And then, you know, before week um, you know, 12, the last week of the regular season, you know, uh rivalry week, you've got like I don't know, maybe maybe 12 teams left. And then after rivalry week, you've got nine teams left. And then they just pick the out of the final nine who because go heading into if we look at it, that is as the case for um imagine awesome. what they did you this. You are year. gonna need to increase your list because they're gonna need 12 for the playoffs. Right. Uh, yes. But I was just talking about for this, yeah. um, for like 2023, how many teams, like if they would have had. Yeah. I really like that idea. Kind of. Uh, all you have to do really is keep teams alive that still have matchups ahead with teams ahead of them. Kind of exactly you know, close, you know? Yeah. Cause like, if you're looking back to like week nine, when this first happened, or you know pre week 9 so week week 8 after week 8 teams are have have played eight games obviously you've got your top 8 still those are still the same as they were this week um but Oklahoma at 7 and 1 old miss penn state missouri louisville lsu is still in contention at that point oklahoma with a win over texas too yeah, yeah. um oregon state is probably there. I don't know if USC is still there, but maybe um, Oregon State. I don't know if I ever said them, but like you're looking at like a good 16 teams there. Right. What do you True. do with an undefeated Sunbelt champion in a 12 team playoff? I mean, I think you sneak them in in a 12 team playoff. <laughs> yeah, you got to throw them in, right? Fun oh, belt, maybe. See, this is why. There needs to be some sort of objective top teams get in. So, like, your winner of every single power f- – is it? are they going to power four next year? They're going to have to because there's only be two gone. teams in the Yeah, because Pac-12 is gone, so they're just calling it power four. So, you've got your your pa- power four, um, your power four teams. Each winner gets an automatic bid into the playoffs. And then you can say your runner-up – and each one, maybe gets an automatic bid, or uh, I wouldn't say necessarily because, like, you got to think maybe uh, not runner up, but like a second team in each power four gets a bid. What about this? What about your power four, right? Are auto bids Ch- your conference championship for yeah. your power four, but it's still, it's still like an eight or 12 team play. We're doing, we're doing 12 teams this next year, 12 teams, yeah. okay, yeah. Then you have somehow you make the math work with the amount of teams or whatever, but you take like runners up, runner ups from like each power conference. So that's a total of eight teams. And then you take four of the non power five conference champions, have them play each other. I guess that, that gives you 12, but. I was gonna say like some kind of play in tournament, like say it's an eighteen it's it's an eight team tournament, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have, you know, those additional eight teams outside of the power four. 
all play each other somehow, and then those guys. So what you could do. So it's like a different, it's like a same week as conference championships, right? Yeah. Or just have one extra week added yeah, tacked on. Week, yeah. Because there's a, I mean, there's a break here. But so what, what I like, I think you have to have each power four conference get an audit winner, conference winner get an automatic bid. Then you could either say, you could either say the runner up gets an automatic bid, or you could say the committee can has to choose one from each power four to have a second team represent. Because like Big Ten, you would probably rather have Ohio State as your second representative there than that's Iowa. what I was thinking. That that's the. the- conference i was thinking of because like the big 10 what is it, the big 10 east that's so yeah, yeah. top heavy comparatively i mean you, you do you want the better team in so i think the committee should just have the choice of second best team in the conference yeah yeah, yeah um, rutgers rutgers and maryland are just like eternally screwed yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> yeah so I, I do i so we've got Four um, second teams, but not second place necessarily, just a, a second team from each one. So that's eight. And then I think your last four spots, I think two of them have to go to non-Power 5 conference winners. Yeah. So that now you're at 10. And then your last two spots can be any team two best teams just next two best teams they can be a third sec a third and a fourth sec team it can be two more non-power five conference winners it can be one big 10 one acc it doesn't matter what those last two spots are but i think if you have some sort of the way the 12 teams are going to be next year it's going to completely change everything and almost everything we've said is going to be a, a mute, mute point next year but it's worth talking about i think at least for now um pretty excited to see how the 12 teams turn out next year i would really love i would love nothing more than there to be some sort of structure to the teams and in how they get in but if it's just like a, a group of guys sitting in a room going no these are our top 12 then so be it call it the college football yeah. Invitational tournament. Don't call it the college football playoffs. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. The 13 seed is going to have a lot less of an argument as is to why though? they should be in over the four seed or the five seed this year because you're not going to be missing conference champions, right? Yeah. You're yeah. not going to be missing 13 0 teams that, oh, uh, yeah, their quarterback <laughs> went down. Like, you're going to be missing like a, Nine and three Oregon State, that's pretty frisky. It's like, okay, you know, you, you lost to Washington State, Colorado on the road, and a tough one at Arizona. You know, like you lost those three. So I mean you're you're just out. You know, <laughs> you can't can't add you in. Sorry. It's gonna well, be a lot less, I think. I gotta yeah. disagree with you there a little bit, Billy, because we are doing the two like non-power four champion like in the structure that we've talked about and set up. Yeah, that's not gonna be how it actually is. Yeah, I wasn't talking about that, but, but I mean yeah, I still think because like Louisville is gonna have one more loss than like Oklahoma this year. So Oklahoma is who ended up at 12, they're 10 and 2. 
Louisville's 10 and three and Iowa was 10 and three and they finished it, you know, 15 and 17 respectively, but like they did make it to their conference championship. Do we need to punish them for, you know, getting that far and then having that extra loss to a high caliber team that's, you know, already going to be making it in? Well, Louisville also has a, another bad loss at Pitt. No, they did, but I, I'm just saying, yeah. like, there there will still be, like, some of that argument. I don't think it'll be as strong as what, you know, Florida State, Georgia, and Ohio State all have, you know, legit arguments this season, I would say, and even Oregon, to be fair. But I, just, I don't think it'll be quite to the same level as it was now. I think y'all – I complain, but people won't have an uproar like they will – like yeah. when Florida State was left off, you know. Yeah, it'll be a yeah. lot less. The stakes aren't as high, but I think the gap between twelve and thirteen is a smaller gap in talent than four and five. Just in general, you know, you're gonna have more spacing at the top, and it's gonna be more bunched together the lower you get. If you just look back at in past years, I just, I just randomly decided to go to 2019. I just clicked on a random year. I'm scrolling down. You had a nine and three Auburn at 12 and a 10 and two Alabama at 13. That's, that's going to make some people mad. That would, that would cause a civil war. Yeah. (laughs) I promise. I promise. I didn't two states. I didn't remember that was the case. And I didn't look at it prior. I just randomly clicked on 2019 and it happened to be an Auburn Alabama cutoff. And then Michigan at 14. So like at nine and three, Michigan at 14 and a 10 and two Notre Dame at 15. The difference between like teams 10 and between teams 15 is a very thin gap. And making that like decision is going to piss some people off. The, you know, the, the fans of, thir- of 13 are always going to have an argument to be 12, but the fan of team five is usually not going to have that good of an argument to be four. But this year it just so happens that both five and six have a pretty solid argument to be four. Yeah. We'll see. I, I there's not going to be, it's almost impossible for there to be much, this much drama ever again uh, with a 12 team playoff, but there's going to be some, you're going to have a year where you've got, you know, this sort of Alabama Auburn divide or, you know, some other other random, I went 2017, UCF sneaks in at 12. Yeah, they would have. Like, you know, you've got to have a, tw- a, a 12 and 0 UCF, you know, in your 12 team playoffs, I think. But like, your 9 and 3 Notre Dame is not going to be happy about that. <laughs> no, definitely not. Anyways. It did make me happy when UCF went on to beat Auburn that year. I just want to uh, yeah. mention that real quick. Yeah, I'm sure that did make you happy. Okay, I think I've um, talked enough about the flaws of the system and, and how they're oppressing me. Well, with that being said, are you all ready to get into the Tricky 50 here? Absolutely.
Let All go. right, Billy, as I get the stuff ready to send you off for this week's, you want to go ahead and recap last week's? I will do a little recap. All right, so starting with Carter. Carter bid on five players. He bid on Russell Wilson, Devin Singletary, Johnny Smith, Jamar Chase, and Rico Dowdle. Unfortunately, only hit on one of those. He did spend all 50 points. He hit on Jamar uh, Chase, got 12 points out of that. Austin, good week, hit on everything. Kyron Williams, Brock Purdy, Deontay Johnson, and Tucker Craft. He ended up with 49 points, everything he spent. Uh, Carter, thanks for the 10 points. Uh, so, yeah. the standings. I am holding down last place at 203 points. Connor is at 266, and Austin takes the slim lead at 268.66. Little change up in the rankings. We'll see what the committee does at the end of the year. <laughs> who gets in, who's left out. Uh, I'm sure it will be a pretty contentious battle. And Bailey Zappi is absolutely balling. Bailey Zappi is balling currently. I mean, uh, th this was an Alabama beats Georgia right here. Like, this was. You know, you have a yeah. really solid team in, in the second here, beating the team that was, you know, clearly number one and, and taking the lead. Um, and then I'm, I'm just I'm just Washington down there, just doing my thing. Everybody forgets about you. And, uh, and then you're going to sneak. In. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, It's just crazy that I missed on all four of those players by combined 10.9 points. You with did. Half of those all coming from Devin Singletary. But anyway... Yeah. I've got the list here for you. There is a bit of a theme going on. Uh, I love a theme. You do love a good theme, Austin. I'll, I'll let you see if you can figure it out. I feel like you'll be quicker too. Then. Well, we've got a couple quarterback receiver combos. That's um, fun. I, I started that trend. I'm glad someone's keeping it up. I. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not seeing any other kind of pattern. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> no idea how this connects. We'll uh, we'll go through a few and see, but uh, Billy, as the host and resident bottom feeder of the the season, I'll let you take the lead. And uh, who do you want first? You be the uh, one, the only Josh Dobbs versus the Raiders. Joshua Dobbs versus the Raiders. He is going for seventeen points. I'll take him for 17. Justin Jefferson coming back could be a big week, but um, I think I'll let you take him, actually. All right. Let's go. My eyes are absolutely locked in on Isaiah Pacheco versus Buffalo. Yes, that is a, a great one. Uh, he is up for 12 right now. I'll do 12 and a half. 13. I'll go 14. You know, I like Buffalo's defense against the road. I'll stay here. All right, Freed's taking Pacheco. All right, William. Let me see a little TJ Hawkinson versus the Raiders. TJ Hawkinson, he's going for eight points. Nine. I don't know if I can let you get the stack. I'll, I'll go nine and a half. 
<laughs> no, I died. I go ten three. Uh, once. Ten and a half. Twice. Okay, I'll let you have them. Let me see this combo here. I I love a good combo meal. Um, Lamar and Zay Flowers. Yeah, this is gonna be a a nice twenty nine points. Against the Rams, huh? I think I can Against do that. I can I can do twenty nine. All right. Billy did not have enough to counter. Billy does not have enough to counter. It was a smart move, biding your time for that one. That was the goal. All right, Billy, who you want to see now? What do I have left? You have twenty two and a half. All right, let me see. Uh, let's go with Bijan Robinson. Bijan, he's playing Tampa Bay. He's up for thirteen. All right, you sold me. 13. I've got to be careful here. I could choose someone's name who I don't have enough points for. You could. It is very possible there's not a whole lot of options left for you, Freed. Yeah. How many points do you got, Freed? I have seven. Okay. So, like, I, I don't think Nico Collins would be seven. I don't think Austin Eckler would be seven. Zach I would Wilson t- still out there. Zach Wilson might be seven, actually. <laughs> um, AJ Dillon, I don't care if he was three, I wouldn't take him. Tight end one, Johnny Smith for the Falcons is there. <laughs> I'm I'm looking here between Amari Cooper and the Packers defense, I think are my favorite two. I'm gonna go with a Packers defense. So you are correct, they are at seven and a half. Oh, that's unfortunate. Oh, so that is unfortunate for you. <laughs> they are just believe, over. I can't believe you played me like that. <laughs> yeah. Do you really so want Billy, to get bet against Tommy touchdowns like that? Yeah. Yeah. Come on now. I would. I absolutely would. So, Billy, do you want the Packers defense for seven and a half points or I more? Don't. You do have nine and a half left. I don't. So, who would you like to see now? Let me just see Nico. Nico is unfortunately going to be out of your price range. He is going for 11 this week. I figured. Okay. So Austin, uh, it rolls back to you. Uh, Amari Cooper. I'm sorry, Austin, but he is also just out of your budget. He is going for exactly eight. Okay. <laughs> I'll take I'll take Amari for eight. All right. Um, I don't want to necessarily go double tight ends. What's Zach Wilson? What you got Zach Wilson for these days, Connor? <laughs> He's at a whopping nine points. Nah, wow. still out of my price range. I mean, it is it is still a quarterback, so I didn't want to go too <laughs> low on him. Yeah, that's a quite the interesting storyline there of like him almost it really is not <laughs> coming back to start when he was asked to. Well, apparently Aaron Rodgers said that that was all BS. Yeah. But that's also Aaron Rodgers being a teammate. Yeah. True. Um, I cannot imagine the New York Giants defense is going to have be projected that much against the Packers. Jordan loves playing well. What are they? What do you got him going for? I've got him at four. Yeah, that's I, I knew it'd be something more like that. <laughs> I don't. Know if they'll make it to four points. 
they could go negative and that would just be bad. I think I'm going to pass. I'm actually, I, I imagine Johnu Smith I could get, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit with my seven remaining points and just make sure you don't get any of those seven from me. All right. Would either of y'all like to take a final crack at what the theme was? It's all players we've seen before in the uh, Tricky 50. You're very close, Billy. It's players I haven't hit. There you go. Mm-hmm. It's all people that we have had put up, that we've bid on, and these are some of the larger misses that I went back and found <laughs> from throughout the season. There were a few others I wanted. I wanted to include Joe Burrow because he was a massive miss one week. Uh, you know, so – but – I wanted to do something a little fun, bring back some players that brought some disappointment to each of us at some point or another this season. I like uh, that. So that that does wrap it up for this week. Uh, neither player spent all 50 of their points. Austin only took two with Pacheco and Lamar and Zay Flowers combined for 43 points. Billy took four people, Josh Dobbs at 17, TJ Hawkinson 10 and a half. Bijan 13 and Amari Cooper at eight for spending 48 and a half points. The people we did not see mentioned were Gardner Minshew and Alec Pierce. Uh, they would have sold for 20. Uh, and then Austin Eckler was not brought up. And you know, y'all mentioned AJ Dillon and Johnny Smith, but neither of those were bid on as well. What so, was Eckler for? He was going to be 13. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, as always, go check out our friends on the Box Score Network. They're always putting out great shows throughout the week. Go check us out on Twitter at Tricky Takes, or I'm sorry, X at Tricky Takes. Uh, you know, continue to give us you know any support, like us, share us on all the platforms you listen, and uh, have a good weekend. See you guys. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Parker. And I'm Robert Zenvire, and we are the Odds on Favorite, presented by Boxcore Network. Every week, we analyze NFL point spreads, over-unders, props, futures, and much more. Follow us on Twitter, at Odds on Favorite, and listen on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. 